Wow. What a week that was. The Beer Mile World Classic 2022, last weekend, October 15th, in Leuven, Belgium. The eighth annual running of the world's premier drinking event. 13 plus countries in attendance, the deepest fields that we've ever seen in the Beer Mile World Championship. It definitely lived up to the hype. There's been a number of articles, media outlets that have covered it since the races. Food and Wine, Outside Magazine, Runner's World, Women's Running, and of course all these media outlets, they gotta take an angle to the story to try to make it clickbait worthy. So we're coming out with the cans versus bottles controversy on the food and wine side and the DQ of Elizabeth Lassiter, who crossed the line first in a world record time on the women's side, but was DQ'd for chugging out of the chug zone and all the controversy around that. People are taken to the YouTube comments to voice their opinion as well on this. And if you have not seen these races, I would suggest, you know, pause right now. They're not that long. Go over to YouTube, links in the description, watch the men's and women's championship races from Leuven. Watch that uh, world championship go down, see what all the hype was about, and then come back to this conversation because we're going to dive into every aspect of the race and the event as well. But we address those controversies. Are cans or bottles better for the beer mile? How did people train for the beer mile leading into it? How wasted do people get the week going into the races when they're over there hanging out all the countries in Leuven? What was the post-race party like? All of the things that you want to know about the beer mile world. We're the only podcast bringing it to you because we not only cover running, but we cover the fun side of running, the spicy side of running, which is the beer mile. And the reality is people freaking love the beer mile. I mean, this thing is getting picked up by all these major news outlets. Why? Because people can relate to drinking much more than they can relate to running. Average Joe that knows nothing about running, he sees someone go and run a mile or a 10K on the track or 5K and he doesn't know anything. He's just like, wow, you ran fast. You ran a five minute mile. You ran a four minute mile. You ran a whatever, a two minute mile. That's faster than I ran in gym class when I ran 10 minutes when I was in high school. So I don't know anything about this running thing, but you know what I do know? I know how quickly I can chug some beers on the weekend with the boys. And so when I see these ladies throwing down four beers and running a mile in, you know, between six and seven minutes. And when I see a dude, Corey Belmore, break the world record with cans in 449, chugging four beers and running a mile in four minutes and 49 seconds. Well, I can get behind that. That's a true feat of digestive athleticism. So the beer mile has always been the people's favorite underground digestive athletic event, the world's premier drinking event. And we're here to talk beer mile today. We don't, we don't talk beer mile that often actually on the beer mile podcast, but today we're here to talk beer mile. So Elizabeth Lassiter joining us. She crossed the line first on the women's side in 6.15, one second under the previous world record of 6.16. However, she was called uh, disqualified by the officials on site there because she took a few sips of her final beer past the finish line, past the chug zone area, which is uh, breaking the rules of leaving the chug zone before your beer is finished. We talk about the controversy around that, uh, and, and Elizabeth talks about that during the pod today. Um, but ultimately, unfortunately, the world record did not count. So she will be back to get, you know, to get what's hers, to get that world record, and hopefully get that sub six in 2023. I can feel it already. Um, and then Melanie, Melanie uh, ended up, well, she crossed the line in third technically, but. In second place, right ahead of her, Laura Riches of England did not finish all of her beers. So if you're new here, if you're new to the beer mile, another rule of the beer mile is a way to make sure that people actually finish their entire beers is that 
you have to get all of your beers measured at the end of the race. There are volunteers there collecting the, the, the cans afterwards, the bottles. They're pouring them out into measuring cups and making sure that each athlete has less than four ounces of total beer remaining across the four beers. So on average, less than one ounce per beer left. You have to meet that in order to have it be a valid beer mile. Otherwise, you're disqualified. Laura Riches crossed the line in second behind Elizabeth Lasseter in six, uh, 639 but unfortunately disqualified because she had too many ounces left. So that left Melanie Posdell in 641, crossing the line in third, actually being the champion because she she definitely finished all her beers. She's the best chugger in the women's field. It's absolutely insane to watch. So you gotta go take a lesson from her if you wanna learn how to chug some beers uh, because she, she absolutely killed it out there. Strong, consistent the entire way. So congrats to her. First ever appearance in the Beer Mile World Championships and she takes home a world title. Um, pretty epic stuff. So Melanie Elizabeth, we're going to catch up with them here in a second, get into that conversation. And I think y'all are going to really, really enjoy this one. The men's race was also epic as well. Uh, Team UK actually, um, United Kingdom actually came away with the kind of the upset in a way uh, on the men's team title. You know, we, we all know English and Scottish, they can drink super well. So it's kind of not a shock, I guess, really, when you think about it, but they're, uh, you know, them getting their first ever world title team UK did on the men's side. Like I said, Corey Belmore of Canada, he's your world record holder in the beer mile 428 with bottles. Now he has the can world record as well in 449 absolute monster as always pumping up the crowd the whole way, making it look easy. Uh, and then on the women's side, you know, Elizabeth and Melanie, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but brought the world title, uh, to the U S once again for the fourth year in a row on the women's side. So U S women getting it done and dominating on the world scene, nothing new there on the, the men's side team USA men. We've won the last five world championships, but unfortunately it didn't happen this year. You know, U S men not on the a game, but you better believe next year when the race is in Chicago, the 2023 beer mile world championships in Chicago, you better believe team USA is going to come out and dominate, dominate that thing. I, I would be afraid to be those beers that are going to be lined up in front of, you know, in front of the mouths of the Team USA men and women come July 1st, 2023 on the track in Chicago. Bad day to be a beer if you're being held by a Team USA representative. That's all I got to say about that. Make sure you save that date and come out to the biggest party ever to hit Chicago, July 1st, 2023, Chicago, the Hope Academy track. It's going to be an absolute banger. We're going to have open heats of the beer mile for anyone that wants to participate in the community. We're going to have beer vendors. It's going to be a beer festival, DJ, drinking games, all the above. It's going to be absolutely hype. I'm kind of wishing that I wasn't racing in a way because I would love to just be a part of this party and, you know, make sure that it goes down as the biggest party in history, but also going to be out there trying to, you know, set world records because that's, that's also what we're going to see in Chicago, men's and women's world records. Uh, you, you heard it here first, it's going to happen. So make sure you save that date. We'd love to see you out for the 2023 beer mile world championships. Just before we get into this conversation with Melanie Elizabeth, we got to give a big shout out to the sponsor that made this podcast episode happen. Athletic brewing. These are the best non-alcoholic craft beers in the game. And what's better, you'll even hear us talk about it during this conversation. When it comes to practicing for the beer mile, you can't always be chugging alcoholic beers because it's 
Obviously not good for your performance, your fitness, your recovery. You can't be performing your best out on the track when you have a hangover. And so what do beer milers do? They practice chugging with non-alcoholic beers and the best tasting non-alcoholic beer in the game is Athletic Brewing. They brew 40 plus different NA craft beers every single year, all different styles. You're sure to find a style and a taste that's perfect for you. They also have won over five dozen international brewing awards. You know that they are creating the best product out there. And with our code, BeerMile20, that's BeerMile20, all one word, you can get 20% off your entire order at athleticbrewing.com. They'll ship it. They'll ship it right to your house. You don't even have to get in the car, use gas, go for a walk to the grocery store. You just sit at home, keep watching your Netflix. Just don't get up. Just keep sitting there like a blob and they'll deliver it right to your door. And then you can just slam them as you're watching Netflix some more. That's what I do all the time. Athleticbrewing.com. Use code BEERMILE20, BEERMILE20 for 20% off your entire order. The other sponsor of today's episode knock around sunglasses i'm currently wearing if you're watching the video version on spotify which i hope you are currently wearing the mary janes just gorgeous super comfortable casual wear glasses i also have tons of different pairs that i wear for running different colors to go with different fits you know how it be they are the most comfortable and best looking affordable sunglasses out there you can seriously just get three, four, five different styles or pairs on your order because they're so affordable. And with our code, BeerMilePod, that's BeerMilePod, all one word, you get another 20% off your order. So check them out. If you're seriously, if you're still wearing Gooder sunglasses, I feel sorry for you. I, I feel so bad for people that have been duped into wearing those poor quality piece of shit Gooder sunglasses. Like I really feel sorry for y'all. So, you know, I've been telling you here, what else can I do? I've warned you enough. Knockaround.com, use code BEERMILEPOD, all one word, for 20% off your entire order. All right, let's get into this conversation. You're listening to the Beer Mile Podcast. Well, we've got a couple of the U.S. ladies of the Beer Mile on today. Uh, we have Melanie Pozzle of Chicago, and we have Elizabeth Lasseter of Austin, and they're hopefully recovered from the, you know, the jet lag at this point and, you know, back in action, back at home. Uh, but maybe, you know, we want to recap the race today and definitely talk a little bit about the DQ, Elizabeth, because a lot of people are, you know, fired up about that on the YouTube comments of the of the World Champs video. But before we get there, maybe let's just, you know, start start setting the scene a little bit and talk talk a little bit about uh, your your preparations and your travel over to Leuven for the Beer Mile World Championships. What it what did you what did you both do to get ready for the race? Well, when I decided that I was going to go, I was like on a bus somewhere in Chicago and was thinking like I should really book a ticket. And like almost in that moment, maybe Elizabeth read my mind across the miles and texted me and was like, "When are you flying in?" And so then <laughs> thus developed a beautiful like communication where we were just kind of like, "Where should we stay? When are you getting in?" Um, and so between the two of us, we booked a hostel in Brussels, um, and then Allie came in on that. And then we started compiling like different places that we wanted to see and do. Um, I created a Google doc with all this information <laughs> about it and was putting, like, <laughs> I was putting like information from the athlete guide in there too. So we knew exactly where to be when, um, so that was sort of like the travel preparation. Um, but then just in terms of preparation for the actual race, 
Um, I was doing a lot of chugging of these guys, um, Papo oh, Chico, which yeah. is terrible um, and not fun. But um, the day that we all found out that we were supposed to be chugging cans, I was over at a friend's house for dinner and asked if he had any LaCroix in his fridge. And sure enough, he did. And so I was like, I just got to try this now. And so I chugged a LaCroix and then started um, bringing carbonated water and Bud Bud Zero to track practices. And Bud Zero is actually kind of tasty. Um, <laughs> I guess sure, they found a yeah. use case. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was like generally my chugging prep. Um, and then just, you know, running as per usual. How about you, Elizabeth? What was your preparation like before the trip? Yeah, yeah. So... I think when, when I found out it was going to be cans, that was kind of my number one. Like I need to get used to using cans because, you know, we, we haven't really done that before in the past. And so I did a couple of practice beer miles with, with Will Ryle, who also lives in Austin. And it was great to have him around. Cause he, he was really like, he took the charge on like organizing, like, okay, let's meet at this track. Like, let's do this. And, and, um, it was, I think Corey, it might have been Corey Belmore who said that Coors Banquet was like the best canned beer to try and drink out of. So found some of that, like found a random track and like did a couple of practice ones, which I think was super helpful just in like getting used to like kind of the feel of cans versus bottles. So that was my, I did a couple of um, salt or sparkling water chugging type practice things too, like, like Melanie, but, um, but yeah, so just, I think getting that, getting those practice ones down was really helpful, but, um, I'm, it was a little bit tricky this time around just cause I'm in the middle of marathon training for CIM in December. So, you know, you kind of have to balance like, okay, I'm going to like chug four beers and run a mile the night before I have to do a long run workout. Like there was one Friday, where I did a practice beer mile, I had to get up the next morning at five to run like an 18 mile long run workout. And so, yes, I was a little hungover, but I got through it and it was okay. So, you know, you do what you can, but, um, but I think that that prep really helped. And then in terms of like in Belgium, like massive kudos to Melanie for her organization abilities. <laughs> we were, we would have all been so lost without her. Like Ali and I were like, Oh my God, like Melanie knew exactly where to be exactly where to go. Like this girl is like a champ in terms of planning. So <laughs> the fact that we even found the track and showed up on time, like all Melanie. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's, that, she's amazing. That's a level of organization that like no beer miler has before we started recording. Melanie, I were talking a little bit about the, organization of the beer mile and how it has almost stayed an underground sport just because of the lack of like, I don't know, organization ability, time management of like anyone who organizes it. And that's not a knock on it because it always turns out as a great event, but it is very much a like people are still deciding a month before the race if they're going to go or not. They're still booking plane tickets. Like I feel like most beer milers in general are just kind of this like go with the flow, uh, you know, just let, let things come as they are type, type of personas. So, uh, so the organization that Melanie is bringing to this is definitely something that the sport could use because, uh, 
Yeah. Right. That, that, that'll, that'll help us as we prep for prep for next year, maybe more than like a month or two in advance for once. Very helpful. Well, I definitely was feeling sort of that like mystery around like who's coming, when are people going? And I was like, if I can control like one thing, it will be this <laughs> and find some activities. And Elizabeth like did an amazing job of finding different places for frites and beer oh. and waffles. <laughs> so we hit up most of those and she helped me find some vegetables in a moment of need. Oh my God. Yeah, I was just like, I've eaten too much fried food. Finding <laughs> a salad in Brussels is harder than you would expect, but we, we found something with vegetables. Brussels sprouts, <laughs> non-existent in that town. No Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I never had a Brussels sprout in Brussels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Missed opportunity, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. what, so yeah. what, uh, on these practice beer miles leading up, like how fast are you running solo for a uh, practice beer mile? I treated it as just like an all out. Like I, I did it okay. as, as I possibly could. And I mean, it's, it's tough when you don't have like the crowds and the energy and, you know, the adrenaline rush that you get in a race. So like my times weren't, weren't quite, you know, as, as much as fast as I would want them to be. But like, I think it was more just about like getting that confidence, like, okay, I can drink this beer. Like I know what it's like to drink with a can, which we know is it's a lot harder to tell when the beer is gone in a can than it is in a bottle. So just more about getting used to it, but uh, generally tried to treat it as like a mock, a mock race, if, that, if you will. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that was sort of the same for me. Like, um, I was doing Wednesday morning workouts at the Montrose track and just bringing my carbonated water. And I never did a full beer mile, but it would be like, whatever the racing team workouts were, my coach would say like, do this interval and then chug. And so I would like practice chugging first and then running or running and then chugging. Um, and then the final workout right before going to Belgium, um, it just felt like really exciting because there were more members of the team there. And so people were like fired up knowing what I was getting ready to do. And so it, it felt like an audience, but it wasn't a full mile, like beer mile that I actually ran. No, nothing like chugging some carbonated waters at what, like six in the morning, six thirty in the morning. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I will say I got this like Aldi brand of sparkling flavored carbonated water oh. and it is 17 ounces. And that actually like almost made me puke. And like, that was nothing aligned. I will say like the ones I did or the times I did use sparkling water, it like made my stomach hurt so much worse than actually doing it with beer. It's just yeah. like the bubbles I think are so harsh. Yeah. So it was like definitely more agonizing to do it. With I, know. I know. And then you're like, what does this even mean? Uh, <laughs> but at least you're not like, you know, wasted after. Yeah. There was actually, I ran the Bucktown 5k and um, I had some friends stationed at mile three. And so the whole point of it was just trying to like, run to my friends at like a tempo effort, grab the can. And so they handed me an athletic brewing and then I chugged it. And when I threw it on the ground afterwards, they told me that there was a cop right there and he was sort of like, I don't care, but you're like, she's training. <laughs> well, look at that. Nice little, nice little plug for athletic brewing sponsor of this episode is athletic right. brewing. So use oh, our code. Really? Use our code beermile20 for 20% off athletic brewing. 
Boom. Look at that. I love it. I mean, it's, it is the ideal training, like usually for world champs when you can use bottles. I will sometimes use athletic brewing beers to practice chugging, but like sometimes not because it's cans. But like this year would have been, you know, a perfect option. I guess LaCroix or whatever else is too. And and everyone always says like, oh, I would crush a White Claw mile or, or whatever because it's, you know, easier or should be easier than a beer mile. But I think it's way more difficult. And everyone that I've seen do a White Claw mile actually pukes, even if there are people that don't puke when they do a beer mile. So I, there's something to that extra like CO2 that's Everybody that's in the can. water that makes it way, way tougher than people would think. So Absolutely. yeah. All right. Let's For talk sure. about the the race itself then, or maybe maybe your your impressions. Because okay, this is Melanie. This was your first World Championships. Elizabeth, when was the last time that you did a World Classic? I did actually my first one and only one before this was the virtual one. Just the virtual. Okay. So, yeah. So for both of you, same situation. Yeah. 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 I've been wanting to come to it. Okay. okay. But it never quite worked out. But this was the first. Yeah, the first time I'd ever gone in person. So yeah, I'm curious then you are like going to the track to show up for the first time, or maybe even like the athlete meeting, like what was your thought going into it? Like, did you have any idea? Would you say what you know about now about the world classic is like similar or lived up to the hype or didn't live up to the hype and what your, you know, your expectations were going into it? I feel like in terms of life moments that I've had, this is like one of the top experiences. I don't know. It was just so much fun. Like everybody was so nice and just so goofy. And John Markle, who's like the head honcho, he like gave a really nice talk at the end of the athlete briefing, which again, I was like, oh my gosh, this is an athlete briefing. This is so official. I love it. And there was an entire athlete guide and they were going over all the rules and talking about like how the cans are all uniform and they'll be transported in a refrigerated van. So it was like, wow, they've thought of everything. Um, But he just said it really nice um, that as runners, we often take ourselves so seriously and the beer mile is just a way to kind of let loose and have fun and find that balance. Um, but also just like one thing that I really love about running in general is community. And so I just think it's so cool that there were 13 countries represented. And so it was a way to bring together people who love running and who like have that kind of like silly spirit. Um, and So yeah, the whole community aspect was just amazing. And then the organization, um, huge shout out to Tom, um, the guy from Belgium. Mm -hmm. I can't really pronounce his name, but he just did a really fantastic job. Um, And I don't know. I just think the entire experience, it was so well run and just really great to meet, meet everybody. Yeah. I mean, I echo all of that for sure. It was for me, it like far exceeded my expectations and it was like going into it. Like, I think Chris, you kind of said this earlier, like sometimes like planning around the beer mail can be a little like, okay, like what are we doing? Is it going to happen? Blah, 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 whatever. But um, like, so there were some unknowns going into it, but to what Melanie said, like, it was like so well-organized, like awesome. I mean, one of the most unique, fun, crazy experiences I've ever had. So I just, I just appreciate the chance to compete and all the work that went into it. Cause like, I know, I know it was not, you know, a small feat to, to pull it all together. So it was, it was incredible. I mean, just 
meeting all these people from different countries, like drinking with them, running with them, partying with them. Like, I mean, they, they put us all to shame. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I mean, I think it was, was it like team Sweden that was like running up and down the hallway in the hotel, like on a little trampoline. Yes. Like, I don't know where this trampoline came from, but they, they were awesome. So yeah, so much fun. And I was going to say Lubin just really felt like a really great place um, for it to be held too. Like I'd never heard of Lubin before. And then it was like, oh, that's where Stella is from, which Elizabeth Alley and I tried to go on a Stella tour. We walked all the way over there and then they were kind of like, what are you doing here? I think we like broke into the Stella brewery, like illegally or something. Yeah. We tried. We're like, where's the tasting room? (laughs) They're like, get out. Um, but Lubin was just such a quaint, like medieval town and, um, I don't know. It was very walkable too. And the night after the athlete briefing, we went to this big town square that had all these bars along it. Um, and that was really neat. So I don't know, just the whole location and experience was very memorable. <laughs> so how many people got wasted on the Thursday night and the Friday night leading up to the race? Was it, was it mostly Sweden and Nor- Norway leading the charge or, uh, did a good chunk of other people also hit the streets? There was like a bar crawl on Thursday, I think, yeah. but we we were still in Brussels on Thursday. So we, okay. we did not partake in that. <laughs> I heard that was pretty crazy. <laughs> and then and then there were still Friday. text messages at, or whatever messages on that uh, chat thread at like four or five a.m. Leuven time on Thursday night. So apparently they were still having fun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it sounded epic. <laughs> and then Friday we, we did like, you know, we had a couple of drinks, but we tried to exercise a little bit of restraint, although it's so hard because there are so many amazing beers. In Belgium. <laughs> I know. So cheap. Like I think one, like one sign, it was like a Stella was like a euro 50 or something. And it's just, yeah, you're not going to see those prices in the U S like ever, like like $8, $9 beer just makes me want to cry now. So yeah, there was like one of those days when Allie, Elizabeth and I all just split one check and it was like nine euro. And we're like, this is amazing. And the guy was like, why are you so happy? We're like, this is the cost of one beer. <laughs> like you don't know. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, but yeah, we, we tried to be like tame on Friday, but like it was hard, but we, we kind of saved it all up for Saturday where we, yeah, we, that's, that's smart great. from, from past experience. It seems like, uh, there is a correlation and the people that go the hardest Friday night. And then the people that uh, have stomach issues on Saturday that, that does come, I don't know, comes to fruition more often than, uh, yeah, then you'd probably, I don't know. Then people would probably care to admit <laughs> because everyone does want to get carried away Friday night. So, uh, yeah, to- totally get that. But, uh, okay. So I, w- I want to ask about the race then itself. So this was it, like you said, 13 countries, definitely the most teams. And then especially on the women's side, like the biggest field that there's ever been at a world classic in the deepest field. So it was super exciting to watch. Uh, didn't get to watch it in person, but so how, uh, like going to the line, like obviously the U S women had, all the top spots from a seed time perspective. So were you expecting to just like kill the team title? And it was a matter of just like racing, you know, the other U S women for the top spots or like, how are you, how are you thinking about it going in, uh, based on looking at, you know, the personal best times going into the race? 
I don't know. I felt like just knowing that cans were being used, I knew, or like, I think we all kind of knew this was going to be like anybody's race. And on Saturday, we didn't race until almost six o'clock. And so Elizabeth and I were just hanging out in our room and I was doing deep dives on Instagram because all of the other teams are doing profiles on their athletes, which we need to do that next year. We need to, you know, do some yes. little cute profile. But so I'm like going on this deep dive and looking at their information. Um, and Elizabeth and Allie are like, what are you doing? Yeah, we're like, we're like, we can't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I kind of felt like it was anybody's race really. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's like, I, I was confident that our team, like, I think on paper, like we, we have the strongest times, but as we know, there can be so many variables and just unknowns and just crazy, you know, twists that can happen in a beer mile. Like we had traveled I mean, we've been there for a couple of days, but like we had to travel from the U S so there's that, like I, I hadn't slept all week cause the hostel was like pretty loud, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there was that. And so just all sorts of things like you kind of throw into like, kind of, um, I don't know, make, make things maybe not quite as, as predictable. And so even though we may look like we're the fastest, there's so many unknowns that could happen. And like, you just, you just kind of never know like the day of the beer mile, like maybe your stomach isn't quite right. So that could, that could be a problem, but, but I felt, I felt pretty good, but in the back of my head, I was just like, you never know. <laughs> so yep. luckily it, it worked out. Uh, any practice chugs the day of the race then, since the race was at a later time? Well, so not, no, not, not the day of, but we did when we were in Brussels, we did seek out, uh, the beer that was being used, um, mm. Jupiler because none of us had ever tried it and we wanted to get a taste of it, um, before, before we had actually had to drink it. And so, um, I have a very amazing mental image of Mel in like the street somewhere in Brussels. <laughs> she had, she had the non-alcoholic version of Jupiler. She just downed that thing like in the street, like a freaking <laughs> champ. Like I think you chugged it in like five seconds. Like, also, the <laughs> like, oh version, like I can't describe to you like the different, the journey of flavors. I don't know. It was beautiful. Like at first I was like, what is this? And then all of a sudden I was like, is that a hint of floral? Maybe some tangerine. And then I was like, actually, this is terrible. So I don't know. I was just experiencing a lot of different flavors. Um, so just like recommend Jupiler non-alcoholic, but also athletic brewing too. Yes. Yes. That's athletic <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have not seen Jupiler available in the U.S. unless I'm looking in the wrong places. So uh, we'll, we'll stick to Athletic over here. But good to know that the beer didn't totally suck because I've never tried Jupiler either. So I have no idea if everyone well, would and, hate it or not. The, yeah, the alcoholic version, I think we kind of decided tastes like Coors. Like yeah, okay. yeah it, it actually was not as horrible as I was worried it was going to be. Yeah. It's probably like a slight notch above course, but same way. Lots of attractive men on the cans. So, you know, <laughs> <back to> that. <laughs> yeah, I later found out that's like the, the Belgian like soccer team yeah. or people from the soccer team. So that's, that's cool. Good marketing. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, I think the day of the race, Elizabeth had drink it, like drink one of those cans and then put the can in the garbage can. And I think I like, filled it up with water. I like took it out of the garbage can and filled it up with water to just chug. But yeah. 
I know. It's smart. It it seems like, uh, okay, so like getting into the results of the race, then it seems like the cans versus bottles debate. Like the cans are definitely slower, but it's especially on the women's side, it seemed like you all were a little bit like closer to, I mean, like Elizabeth, you crossed the line in, in 6.15, which would have been a world record time. And Melanie, you were super close to what you ran with bottles. So like, did you think it was a huge difference or, uh, or not as much of a difference as you thought? I don't know. Maybe you would have just PR'd huge with bottles and it was a big difference. So I'm curious to hear your perspective. Yeah, I've, I've thought about this a lot and like thinking back, like how I felt during the race. I, I didn't, I didn't think the cans were as awful as, as I was worried they were going to be. And John actually pointed this out to me. Like I, if you've ever seen me do a beer mile, you know, I have like a very unique technique. It's like really strange. <laughs> like I take a drink, I like go back down, take a drink. Like, and it's just yeah. like, it's a little bit like it can make you watch it. But, um, but John pointed out that like, his perspective is that technique is actually better for cans than it is for bottles, which I had never thought about that. So I'm like, maybe there's something there. Like, maybe that's why, you know, it didn't feel like as much of a struggle as I was worried it was going to be. So part of me is like, maybe I should just use cans for now. (laughs) But all that to say is I think there's still, it's still a lot more difficult to tell when, all the beers is finished out of a can than it is with a bottle. So I think that that probably tripped up a lot of people, including, including myself. Yeah. We were um, like, after the can announcement was made, we were texting a lot and just talking about like how we were practicing chugging and how it's like, you think you have it all out. And then there's just like still a little bit left in there and it feels like it's empty, but it's not. So that was just like part of the practice leading up to was like getting that all out of there. It's, it's so much easier. I think in a bottle, you can gauge it a little bit better, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, I, maybe on the, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to like on the guy's side, Corey is almost the person who is like the furthest from what he would be running with bottles. Like the general, I don't know, maybe the general pack of guys that like where the big cluster of guys were, whereas probably 10 seconds behind like what it would have been with bottles. But I was actually, I was surprised that it was as close as a result as I would have expected um, with bottles. You know, I honestly thought that maybe, maybe times would hurt even more than they did. So that's, I don't know. That's good. Well, I guess we'll see if any of you dedicate or, uh, you know, switch over to uh, to cans next year instead of bottles when you have the choice. But I, I bet everyone will be back to bottles if I had to to guess myself. Yeah. Most likely. <laughs> all, right, all right, Elizabeth. So the the DQ then uh, in for for anyone who doesn't know, I guess, know the backstory or whatever, just go, like, go go watch the race video on YouTube. And there's a link to that in the description. But there's uh and actually like multiple news articles came out with articles about it, which was super cool to see. Um, women's running and outside, and then Food and Wine did a article about the cans versus bottles debate as well. But uh, so like really, there's kind of like runners the two world runners world too, exactly, exactly. So there's really like the two sides of it. One is like you, so you got DQ'd because you took a couple of 
chugs, gulps, whatever, beyond the finish line, which is technically outside the chug zone. So like one side of it is if you're like the hard rule enforcer, you say like, yep, that's a DQ, it's chug outside the zone. But then the other person, like the other argument is like, because of the placement of the bins being not right on the finish line, but beyond the finish line, like really that was a preventable DQ and those should have been pushed back. And, and either way you won handily, you know, you won by, uh, you know, over 20 seconds. So like that wouldn't have made a difference on the outcome of the actual race itself. Like maybe it would have made a one or two second difference potentially on like your world record time. But in terms of winning the race, you know, did, did it make a difference on winning the race? You know, not really. So I, I'm curious now that you've had a week for it, uh, to think about it, to let it settle in, et cetera. Like, how do you feel about it at this point? Um, in terms of getting the DQ, like on the spot right at the race. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I needed some time to kind of process it and just really reflect on what happened and just kind of think about like, okay, like, like what, what really like, like, was that the right call? Like things like that. And I think where, where I've landed as of today is it's like, yes, like going, going by the official Kingston rules. Like, yes, like I, I broke them. Like I should have been DQ'd for that. I stepped over that nine meter chug line. Like, and if you want to go by the book, like, yeah, that's a DQ. So that like, I agree with like, that is fine. That is like, like, we don't even need to talk about that. You know, it's like, <laughs> I broke those rules, but, but, but where, where things get a little murky, like to your point is when you compare like the women's race to the men's race and it's that placement of the bins. Like they were for the women's race, they were maybe one meter or so like in front of that chug line. Whereas the men's, they were placed right on the line. And in any other race you've watched in the past, like the bins are always either on that line or maybe a little bit like before it. So in my perspective, I think that needs to be something that's standardized. Um, maybe it's something you add into the rules. Um, maybe it's just something that, you know, we, we keep in mind for future beer mile world classics, but I think above all of any, of anything, like this is kind of an example that we can use to make, make, make these races better, like more consistent going forward. And so, you know, and unfortunately sometimes like in order to make things better, sometimes bad things have to happen. So, yeah. so it is what it is. But yeah, but I, you know, I'm, I just, I, I feel good that we can use this to kind of make things better going forward. So that's, that's kind of the, the piece I've made with myself over the situation. Yeah, that's, that's fair point. And Melanie, any thoughts, uh, thoughts from you on, I don't know, see, seeing your teammate get disqualified, uh, um, like in, in the I, moment. I or was angry. I was like telling her after we crossed the finish line, like you need to appeal this. And cause there, it was also just like, what's going on? What happened? I mean, yeah. all I really recall from during the race was first of all, Laura Riches, who was like blazing fast and like <laughs> speeding by me. But the other thing that I recall was, um, before that fourth and final beer that I chugged, I remember, um, Nick, or sorry, Travis saying, make sure you're in the zone, make sure you're in the zone. And I was like, why is he saying this? Like, obviously we need to be in the zone. Like that was all I was thinking. And so then it like made more sense in the context of like mm -hmm. what had happened. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. I was, Elizabeth ran such a great race. You're so freaking speedy. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I obviously am excited to be the de facto world champion. Like, I think it's really cool, but, um, you know, I'm sad that that happened to her. And then also just like Laura Riches ran a really great race too, and had too much beer left over in the end. But, um, I think regardless, we just had a really strong showing of ladies. And I think it just showed Mm -hmm. like what's possible. And even to your point earlier about how much different the times were for men, between bottles and cans, maybe it just shows that ladies are more adaptable. No, I don't know. But, um, I think it's just cool that we had so many women show up and maybe even part of this too, is like elevating the conversation about the beer mile and maybe other women will get interested and want to run. And so the next time that we all match up, um, you know, the rules will be a bit more standardized, like particularly that bin placement and, maybe we'll have two heats of women <laughs> instead of just one. Yeah. I, I agree that, that we could have maybe had two different heats, but that's okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of ladies in that heat. That's okay. There were. I do want to address one other thing that I've, people have asked me and I've seen in the comments, like, like, and you brought this up, Melody. It's like, why, like, the ref was like yelling at me. You can hear it in, in the, in the video. He's like, like stay in the zone, stay in the zone. And it's like, I've been asked like, why didn't you hear that? Or like, why didn't you respond to that? And I say like, when you're racing, when you're focused, like when you're in the zone, you kind of block all of that sound out. And so I don't even remember him saying that. Like I never heard that. So it's so hard to go back to that moment and, and think like, well, why didn't I do that? Like I could have done this. I could have done that because you're just so focused on at least in the beer mile, finishing that beer not throwing up and getting around the track as fast as you can. So yeah, yeah. Your, all that to say is I, I'm excited about how, you know, how this is going to be even better going forward, but for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that was my first, like, right when I saw that on the live stream and it was hard to tell what all was going on on the live stream without, you know, being there in person, getting different camera angles, seeing what was being said. But when I heard that you got DQ'd and then I was like looking at the footage, that was my like first, my first response to uh, like the race directors, race officials was like, why would the bins be in the wrong place? Like that's a, you know, volunteer error or just a race setup error. And then like the argument of the, like you being yelled at, that was immediately what I responded back was what you just said was like, if you're staring at the sky, chugging a beer and all you can think about is like trying to not puke, not like, whatever, not fall over, get it down without taking a breath. Like you don't really have brain capacity to like think about where your feet are at. And, and honestly, then it does become a, like just out of your, you know, kind of your, your vision, the little bit of vision that you have, like kind of off the side, whatever, like it's easier for you to pick up on where the bin is than it is for you to pick up on where like a finish line is. So you kind of just like migrate towards the bins uh, a little bit. So like, I could totally understand like being in a flow state, like, and not, I don't know, just kind of subconsciously letting yourself walk through the zone. Like I do that too. So that's totally, uh, I don't know, totally normal and, and understandable. So I've personally gone like back and forth in my own head of like being mad about the DQ and thinking it was the wrong choice, but then also thinking, well, like you got to hold the rules somewhere. So like, where do you, right. you know, where do you stop? Like, you know, making acceptable, uh, 
I don't know, acceptable exceptions. Like where do you stop that line if you start that line and all of that? So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I think it's lose, lose either way, but it's also, it is kind of win-win either way in the sense that you still ran hella fast. Everyone knows that you can get the world record. And then now next year at the world championships, when we're actually putting it on in Chicago, uh, we'll make damn sure those, those bins are not in the wrong place ever again. Like it yeah. takes those hard. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> takes that takes those mistakes to learn from, to like realize, Oh yeah. Like we, that's something we should be thinking about and we're never going to mess that up again. So, um, yeah, I guess some positive light. I, I will say I liked that it was like the mat timer. It was the end of the chug zone just because it's like, you know, almost an obstacle that you have to step over. So I would advocate for doing that again, but with the bins next to the, <laughs> yes. to that mat. <laughs> yeah. And actually one thing that could have been maybe a potential variable. So at our base, there was, I don't know what you call this thing. It was like this like white inflatable thing that was like over the track. Like, what do you call that? An arch. It was like a race arch or whatever. I don't know yeah. what the hell you call that. <laughs> but I know in like previous races, like one of the bends, like you kind of place have been placed like kind of like almost like off to the side, like kind of where um I don't know, like near lane one, I guess if that makes sense. And so I do wonder if like that giant thing, like maybe kind of threw things for a loop a bit. So maybe no more that's my, in mind going forward, like more <laughs> giant white inflatable things. The only arches that are acceptable are the golden arches of McDonald's and yeah. cheeseburgers <laughs> after the race. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I will also advocate for no inflatable arch thingies, not because like I get why they do it. Cause it looks cool. It's like, Oh, here's the start finish line. But right. talk oh. about annoying right. for actually being able to see the chug zone like either on camera or even for spectators like those that thing was so wide yeah. that you couldn't even see like but when you're when the camera's at an angle you can't even see like a third of the chug zone because it's just like in your line of sight so yeah we're not doing any more big blow-up thingies at the, the start okay. finish lines I, I think that that's a I think that's a no-no oh man I so agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so now, Elizabeth, then going next year, going into the world at championships next year, like what, what can we expect to see for the, the world record now, now that you ha had a taste of running a world record time, like, does that fuel you to just crush it next time you come out on the track? Are you that much more confident now that you can, um, take it down and obliterate it the next time that you're out there? I would say, I guess, like, I, I, I feel, I feel good about it, but in a lot of ways, it also kind of made me more aware of like areas of improvement. Like if you, if you look at my leg speed versus like my chug speed, it's just, it's so unbalanced and I have so much time I could make up just by being like a better chugger. And that's always kind of been my, my weak spot. So I think if I can focus on that and improve that a bit, you know, whether it's with cans or bottles, like I think, I think I'll be there, but I, I would love to break six. I think that is like, like the ultimate goal, but I definitely have some work to do in the chugging department. So we've got, we've got a year. So hopefully, hopefully we can get there, but that's, that's definitely what I'll, what I'll be focusing on. Well, Melanie, as the 
I think the fastest chugger in the field, I, I could go back and take the splits, but it would, I think you're the fastest yeah. chugger in the field. So, uh, what tips do you have? <laughs> what tips do you have to get to be the fastest chugger, even as you're, you know, your newcomer to the beer mile, your, your debut year of the beer mile? Honestly, the only reason I can hang with these ladies in this event is because of my chugging speed. I mean, you guys are all so fast. You're such fast runners and like, I do okay with the run, but it's like the chug, I think is where I shine. So, um, but I think I can be faster too. And I think that there's a good opportunity to continue to improve there. Um, and I don't know, I guess I just like typically after my CrossFit workouts, I just chug my protein shake because it's so tasty and chocolatey. Um, and so I think that was sort of like you know, where I discovered good chugging and also college, um, you know, shout out to all my friends and the Irish car bombs that we would do. Um, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that for me continuing to work on running speed will be, um, what I need to work on. I will say that, um, at the U S championships, I was like coming off of having COVID and ever since then it's, this training block has been a challenge for me. Um, I think I've been struggling a little bit with some long COVID too. And so like I'm running the Indianapolis half marathon a week from Saturday. And at this point I'm just like, whatever, who knows? So I didn't necessarily feel like I developed the speed running wise that I would have liked to, um, had I not gotten COVID, but like, I mean, it is what it is like, um, so I'm ready for ready for the next one. <laughs> And you'll have the hometown crowd supporting, cheering along. So just like the yeah. that the crowd you the crowd you brought out to the US champs, I expect at least like, you know, five times that many people there yelling your name at the, oh, yeah. the world people champs. are so excited. <laughs> people are so excited. And I'm like, and you can probably run it too, because I'm assuming there will be open heats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the plan is uh, definitely have community heats, open heats, and might even have some of those be NA beer mile heats sponsored by athletics. Some of them will be, you know, normal beer mile heats. Maybe if people want to, maybe we'll even throw in a chocolate milk mile or something stupid. If, if anyone's interested in that, but then like, yeah, so I a wine mile. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember in June there was, yes. there was a woman in that, in that beer mile who drank wine? Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. We'll being <laughs> it was like half a bottle of wine in like over the course of her wine mile. Yeah. Wild. If we do a wine mile, we will not require four 12 ounce wines. Like I think she was doing or, or however much she was doing was too much. We'll just, you know, we'll keep it at like six ounce wines or something so that it's comparable alcohol amounts. But, but yeah, definitely going to have community heat so everyone can get, so everyone can participate, get liquored up and then watch the main events. So I think it'll be a perfect, uh, a, a, a perfect way to do it. And then we'll get everyone even rowdier cheering for the, you know, the championship races too. So I, I, I would expect a big crowd to come out and, uh, pro yeah, Melanie, you're definitely going to ha have to help get, get a lot of that being in the Chicago area. <laughs> how about, how about you, Elizabeth? Can we get like all of your track club? You seem to have a, a little bit of a cult following too. Like I, when I was, so I was moderating the live stream comments while I was watching from home and I would say you two were probably like the most comments uh, shouting you out or or whatever, like definitely the two of you. And then some, you know, it'll be like a random like Czech person or Norway person got a few, uh, you know, a few <laughs> comments and some love. But I don't know. You two seem to be the fan favorite. So can we get a big poll from from Austin as well as your whole club down to come to Chicago and participate? 
I think we could. I think they'd be down. I mean, they're definitely the type of crew that would love to like jump in a beer mile too. So if there's like open heats, like I could totally rally them <laughs> to come up and do it too. But um, and yeah, I mean, my my parents are like so supportive too. <laughs> They've like gotten all their friends excited about it too. So <laughs> they live in Charlotte. So maybe we'll have a Charlotte crew too. <laughs> but um, it's I think it's just yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Excellent. And I got to ask about the after party then, because the, this is both your first time at the world classic, but like the, the after party is known to be probably the reason that like a lot of people actually go to do this beer mile world championship. You know, the people that are, uh, kind of getting over their peak running days, maybe they're doing more of the beer drinking and less of the running, but they still got to come out to the world champs every year so that they can be part of the, the after party. And I don't know, you probably got to see some of those teams that are, you know, famous for, for the partying abilities, but what was your, was your impression? Was it like the level of crazy you thought it would be? Did it exceed it or, or were beer milers like kind of lame? What, how did you, how, how did you react to what you saw? Oh no, beer, beer. Your mailers are not lame, that's for sure. <laughs> there are a lot of shirtless men. A lot of shirtless men. Like at one point, almost every person who had like participated in the event was shirtless in the club. Adam didn't have a shirt on. Adam's brother didn't have a shirt on. It was like, what is going on? We got to go back to the hotel though, because before any of that even happened, oh, yeah. there was like a whole crew of guys who were not only shirtless, they were like in their boxers, like in the hotel hall room. This is the whole trampoline thing. Like somebody had found like a mini trampoline and they were like chanting something, jumping on this trampoline. And the people from downstairs, like the front desk people came up and they were like, you are being too loud, like stop. And we were like, nah. Even getting back to the hotel when we were walking from the track, cause we took an Uber to get to the track, but then it was like quite expensive to get back. So we walked and then we pulled like two members of team Sweden or Norway, like yeah. out of the bushes. Like there were some random bushes and we were like, like we lying in the bush. Yeah. And one guy had all these flags like on his body, like, you know, penance or whatever. And we were like, what is going on? It's just like, like right when you think like, things couldn't get any like more ridiculous. They do. It was excellent. So totally worth it. Yeah. Good and, time all the, oh, and all the, all the shots consumed in the club. Like I don't even know how many shots. So I will say that I brought my liquid IV. And so I was like mixing up some liquid IV and I'm like, Elizabeth, drink this. So smart. <laughs> like we need to make sure that we hydrate. Like I'm glad somebody was the voice of reason in this situation. I know it was it was great. So surprised to hear there were shots in the club. Usually the beer milers are just, at least in past experience, like let's keep doing chug chug offs and chug races even after the beer mile. We're at the club. Like I'm gonna buy you a pint. We're gonna do a chug off. And then you're gonna buy me a pint. And then we're gonna do a chug off. So you you just hit the shots though instead. Yeah, Corinne got like an entire bottle of vodka, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's so many things where I'm like. Did that happen? Like, oh yeah, it did. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah, it was all of a sudden. It was just, it was kind of both. Like it was, it was like I, I feel like I had like like one beer in my hand and then like a shot glass in the other. And then I had two bottle or two like glasses of beer in my hands many times. It was just kind of all over the place. But yeah, it's great. 
But again, we were responsible. We got our food beforehand. We drank yeah. our liquid IV. So yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know if they're like a sponsor or not, or if it's noon. <laughs> I had noon as well, by the way. No, ne- neither of them. So noon or liquid okay. IV, which everyone pays more, <laughs> I'll plug them all day, every day. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's uh, it, it's so impressive. Uh, just after all all these years of the beer mile, to my knowledge, at least, I don't think anyone like you describe all these crazy stories and people being total idiots. But have, never have I seen anyone do something bad where they got arrested or totally screwed up or went to the hospital or anything like that. So I don't know. I guess functional functional while drunk. I don't know if that's a compliment or. I don't know what that is exactly, but uh, but I don't know. The beer milers are crazy, but they can they can hang. They can control their uh, uh, they know they know how to handle themselves under the influence. We'll put it that way. Maybe we just all have like very good tolerances. Right? <laughs> that's probably that's probably a big part of it for sure. <laughs> so what what was the scene? Did you guys like hop around to a bunch of different bars afterwards? Or you said clubs, so like did you actually go to uh like a Euro club? Yeah, it was like a straight up club. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And you got bottle service too, because you're a US champ. So of course, you know, had to get bottle of vodka, bottle service. So it's not, okay. This, this is adding up. It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like one of those clubs where like, I don't know what was like on the second level, but there was like this yeah. little like space that had like, it was like a window in front of it. And like people went up there and they were like dancing behind the window and shirtless men, more shirtless men. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was, but like I went up there and it was like, literally it was so humid and like hot, but not free. So it was like, none of that for me, but it was wild. Yeah. I mean, really we hopped around from Domino's, which is where I went to McDonald's, which is where then we all kind of went and then back to the club, but that was, that was about it. And then, yeah. Do we have any other embarrassing stories about Adam since he's not here to defend himself. This is the perfect time or just that he's crazy shirtless dance and fool. Is that all we got? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I like, don't recall. (laughs) um, All right. Well, he's safe. He's safe for now then. He's He's lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or you're just really good at covering up for him. I don't know which it is, but that's, that's okay. (laughs) Oh man. Well, uh, I'm trying to think, let's see if I can come up with a couple of good, um, good closing questions here. Uh, let's, uh, here, here's one. What was the best beer that you had on the entire Europe trip? I don't know how, how I don't know how, uh, exploratory you got in trying different beers, but what was the best one you had? Oh, oh my God. I had so many good beers. Melanie, if you have one, that's coming to mind. I need to like think about this for a minute, but I had so many good beers. It was one of those creeks that night, like, cause Allie arrived on Thursday morning. And then when she went back to the hotel, um, the hostel, and then you and I went to those three different bars. Was it three? Yeah. It was like one of those creeks was just so good. And I don't remember which spot it was. And this was in Brussels, but I was just drinking a lot of creeks and from from Blazes or whatever. Those are kind of just my general jam while I was over there. I never had creek before and I I'm totally sold. Like I saw it actually at a brewery here in Austin recently and I didn't get it unfortunately, but like I want to go back and try it. But um my favorite beer, so I would have to say now that I've thought about it for a second, it was not in Brussels, but it was actually I had the chance to take a train to Bruges for 
um, for the day on Sunday and super cool town, like highly recommend checking it out. It's like this like medieval, like fairy tale kind of town, but, um, but they have like a number of breweries there. And I went to one, what was the name of it? I will not be able to pronounce this. Like I literally cannot say it, but it was a, it was like a Belgian kind of blonde and it was just like so clean, like so crisp and like, just like you took a sip and you just were like, oh, <laughs> like it was so good. And I think it was like, I'm looking it up now. I think it was called Bruges Zot is the name of it. It has like a little like clown kind of on the, on the bottle. But um, I happened to see some in the duty-free shop in the airport and took some home with me. What about but- that Subi Mort beer? <laughs> did, did you oh. Get- <laughs> oh, the glass. Did you make it home with the glass? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I actually brought two glasses home with me. I brought, um, yeah, I brought the giant, like Subi more glass. And then I had, I actually bought a glass from that brewery that made the beer that was my favorite beer. And it was kind of shaped like a wine glass. So I had to be really careful with it in my, in my backpack, but I managed to stuff both of them in there. So um, like, I wish I'd packed a bigger suitcase though, because there's so many good beers, beers there. I pretty mean. much every beer was just excellent. And it was so inexpensive yeah and that was the other thing so yeah cool. and same thing in Amsterdam too it was like Heineken they're just like giving it away for free it's just amazing I was gonna say I had some Heineken in the airport in Amsterdam and that was like the best Heineken I've ever had in my entire life so like I can understand that Man, you're just making me feel feel that much worse about not not being there. Man, it was like basically a free trip, the best beer in the world, you know, best beer mile worlds ever. Damn, missed missed on all Beautiful cylinders location, this year. Great company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about the food a little bit. Was uh, did you have any like unique food while you're there? Or were you just whatever sticking to some of the some of the classics? We did seek out a couple of things that Belgium is known for. So I was like dead set on getting this, this dish. It's called Mulfried. It's basically just um like like steamed mussels. Um and they kind of give it to you like in a pot and then they have some frites on the side. And it's it's pretty simple. Like the mussels are cooked, I think, in like white wine and like some other herbs and stuff. But um we got that the first night. Melanie and I were there in Brussels and it was delicious. And then I actually had my last night before I flew out um, on, on Monday, I went into Brussels and got that again at a different restaurant. And it was like fantastic. (laughs) It was great. I was like, I went to this like fancy restaurant by myself and I was like, I would like the mussels. And I just like had like just a great meal. So, so yeah, that was definitely my highlight, but um, Melanie, I know you had some good, um, some good waffles, stuff uh, like that. Also, can I just say that when we were um, in that square in Leuven, when you were getting ready to leave for the train and I was waiting for my train to Amsterdam, those sandwiches that we had, oh, yeah. I, I just like, they were just so good. I think the panini press that they use, it was just so crunchy and amazing. And also it was a beautiful day. It was like 70 degrees, kind of sunny. It was one of those days where you just feel like anything is possible. Um <laughs> And actually, Elizabeth, after you, left, after you left, um, Charlie, um, oh my gosh, the Australian guy. Charlie Blanche. He like Charlie Blanche, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So we were like hanging out and then we started chatting with some other Belgian guys. And it was just, I don't know, that, that sandwich was my favorite, which is 
whatever, but um, there was a lot of other good food in addition to like the frites and waffles that we had as well. That was a great sandwich. And I think yeah. it was like, it was a croque, croque monster, which is literally just like a, like a ham and cheese. So but, simple and yet so delightful. Good. Super jealous. Uh, okay. Maybe let's do, I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious how you would answer this. Per, okay. Give me, give me, give me a prediction or like a goal. Like how fast are you going to run at the world classic in 2023? I'm curious to hear what you think. Not to put you on the spot, but kind of going to put you on the spot. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Elizabeth can break six minutes. I believe that, um, or like get in the low sixes. So I'll predict that for you. <laughs> it's all going to depend on what type of like actual running shape I'm in because this year I had, I did have the benefit of being like halfway through marathon training. So it, I think that definitely helped just like strength wise, but uh, so it's hard to say now like what, what the future will, will, will hold, but, um, but that, yeah, I think that would, that would be ideal if I could also be in good running shape next year, but I don't know. I don't want to say a time. I'll just say, you know, I, I want to break six. Let's just leave it. Melanie? I think um, if we, for me, I don't know. We'll see. I'm honestly, Chris, I'm trying to work on like your chugging technique. So that's going to be, I don't know. That's what I'm going to try and work on to see if I can just get my chug times faster and get my running times faster too. I will say that if, the U.S. championships truly are going to be at the end of April. That's cruel because that's right after Boston, but that's all right. We'll do my best. <laughs> yep. Well, like still, still TBD for sure on that, but uh, that would be the earliest that it could be. And I'm open to other ideas mm -hmm. as well, but I don't know if we could somehow get it to be part of the Kentucky Derby, that would be, that would be pretty epic. So might as well give it a shot if we can do it, but yeah, that will be a little rough. Yeah. So maybe your U S championships will not be an indicator for your world championships then is, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'll be like lucky if I'm walking. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else that either of you want to shout out? Uh, anything that I missed asking about today that you wanted to make sure to cover off on, I don't know, words of wisdom. Ooh, I just thought of something. Have we talked about the relay? Cause I know that was kind of a big thing. Like, oh my God. Yeah. To make no. that, like an official part. We did not, we did not. It looked yeah. so all, all I could see from watching from home was it was like chaotic and I had no yeah. clue who the hell was winning or what was going on or anything. So, so how was it being there in person? <laughs> oh, it was a cluster. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was I, fun. It was like the right amount of fun for like where we all were um, after having run a beer mile. But yeah, I think the way that it was envisioned and then the way that it was executed, it was like, it, it was very chaotic. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was really smart to require us to drink non-alcoholic beer because we were like at that point, like the, the drunk factor has hit you and you're just drunk. <laughs> so, so it doesn't really make sense to have to chug couple more beers, but I, I would say like, if I had to change one thing. I, I don't think 
I would do like the second chug. Like, I don't know if there's a way to like pass off the baton, if you will, without doing that. But I, um, it just, it just hurt. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's like beer number six. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get the well, sentiment that, look- yeah, I get the sentiment that Nick was going for. Cause like it, in the yeah. relay, it is relatively easy for someone who's like not actually a good beer miler to just be really good at chugging one beer. And then they're like, you know, good at the 400 or whatever. And they could do that relay really well. But, but also just from like a spectator standpoint, it's so weird to have someone come in from running and then like have two people in the chug zone at the same time. And it's just, I don't know, it doesn't flow very well. And it's hard to tell who's on their second beer versus people who are getting lapped on their first beer. And it was just a mess. So yeah, yeah I I don't know. It, it either needs to be like I mean, way less weird. people like, per heat or it needs to be like not not doing the double beer thing because it was just like impossible to follow. Or do it at the 200 maybe. I don't know. Hmm. A mid-lap beer. Like yeah. A, yeah. Like a four by beer 200? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that could be chaos though too because... <laughs> Um, like we had set up all of our beers on the table and then I think nobody knew whose beers were whose. And so like, we were just grabbing whatever when people were getting ready to run. (laughs) Yeah. So do you like grabbed a beer out of the hand or something? And I was like, that's what. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even know who won? Like what team or country won? No, no. (laughs) I think we all won though because we were drinking Jupiler non-alcoholic, which again has the stuff of florals and <laughs> orange oh God, It tasted so bad. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> oh man. Nasty. Nasty. Well, that's like the first year that it's always unorganized. The relay has always been unorganized, but we've always known who the winner is at least. So I think we've maybe gone backwards by trying to go forwards with <laughs> with the new rules because now we don't even know who won the event lost all the bragging rights <laughs> <laughs> like i appreciate trying to like formalize it and like you know make like or kind of create like a, a system for it but i think it's hard i mean it's 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 inherently chaotic so i you know i think it's doesn't lend itself easily to being organized so for sure Hopefully we'll figure it out. <laughs> Working on it. Yeah. Any anything else? Any other topics? Any other shout outs? Close out remarks. Um, everybody come to the Lakeview Orchestra concert on December 4th. If you're in Chicago, I had to miss our season opener concert because I was busy running the beer mile, but um <laughs> I'll be back as principal oboist in December Ooh. and I'm excited. Um <laughs> So that might be um, actually a slight, like a better fun fact than your the fact that you're a beer mile world champion. You also play the oboe. Like that is like the most cool duo ever. So don't forget that. I <laughs> yeah. agree. So, so come on, come on down. We'll be playing like the Grinch and other holiday favorites. <laughs> Beautiful. I'll put a link in the description to get your tickets now. Let's <laughs> It'll make up for the fact that I missed the season opener. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be like 10 times the number of people in the audience for this one versus the other one. And everyone's just like chanting that they want to, they want to hear you. They want solos, just all oboe solos the whole time. That's all, that's yes. all the people want. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you both on and catching up on worlds. I think all, all this really did for me was yeah, just, you know, make, yeah, it just made me sadder that I missed the race, but that's, you know, that's uh, live vicariously through both of you. So thanks for, thanks for bringing the stories and the energy and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where we end up for us champs and beer mile. Well, we know where we're ending up for the beer mile world champs next year, but, uh, excited to see, uh, how training goes for the both of you and we'll be in touch. Yeah. Yeah. We miss seeing you there, having you there, but no, we missed you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Next year's going to be epic. Yeah. It is going to be epic. The biggest party ever to hit Chicago is coming to Chicago, July 1st. (laughs) So save the date, save the date. We're going to have DJs and drinking games and breweries and you name it, Uh, a relay. That's actually, you know, you can actually follow, uh, community races, (laughs) I don't know what, what else should we have to get everyone, everyone stoked? I don't know. I was thinking we could have some like Stein hoisting, some boot chugging competitions, you know, for like the well, audience, just people from the well, audience to get non runners to come out and show off their chugging skills. Like we'll have a boot race, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. Well, in college, we used to have an event called the four by 40. So maybe we could like revive that somehow. There's the relay oh, there. We, we found it. There we just go. Do the 40 instead. I like it. I like it. Just all the drink. It'll basically be a beer Olympics, but you know, an official one that's <laughs> backed by sponsors and live streamed. I guess that's really what we're going for here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, cheers. And uh, thanks again for coming on. And there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the beer mile podcast. If you'd like to show support for the show, You can rate us, you can review us on Spotify and Apple, you can share us on your social feeds or text people or whatever. Just tell other people about the show that you think will enjoy it. And you can also support our sponsors, knockaround.com, use code BEERMILEPOD for 20% off your entire order on some dope shades. Also, athleticbrewing.com, the best non-alcoholic craft beers in the game. Head on over to athleticbrewing.com and use code BEERMILE20, that's BEERMILE20, all one word for 20% off your entire order there. You can also check out patreon.com slash beer mile if you want to pledge a little bit to support the show, access behind the scenes, bonus content, extra After Dark podcast, you name it. It's all there and we'll be putting up another After Dark podcast episode here soon. And that's about it. Just support, support the show however you would like. Uh, you know, just your listening and your downloading is enough for us. We really appreciate the love. And if you're a brand out there, the Beer Mile World Championships 2023, July 1st, 2023, coming to Chicago. If you work for a brand that would like to inquire about sponsorships, now's the time. Hit us up at podcast at beermile.com. We are looking for some name sponsors for the races to get in. You'll get in front of hundreds of thousands or millions of eyeballs if you sponsor this race. We'll also throw in some package deals to be a sponsor of the Beer Mile podcast as well. Or if you're not into the Beer Mile World Championship sponsorship, you just want to sponsor the Beer Mile pod, always looking for Uh, great brands to work with. So if you know someone that works for one of these brands, if you want to make an introduction, if you are one of these head honcho people, podcast at beermile.com is how to reach us. And we will be glad to talk to you and work with you and see what we can do. All right, people. Once again, save the date, July 1st, 2023, Beer Mile World Champs in Chicago. Be there. Also, make sure you're watching the Beer Mile World Championship 2022 races. Links in the description to YouTube and subscribe while you're there. All right. Cheers, y'all. Thanks for tuning in.